0: Okay, this is uh, my favorite part, this and the doubling your deal flow, I think are two potentially the most valuable parts of today, but this part here is probably the most, most value per minute to drive home these 14 different strategies to be a more effective private investor. Every one of these can be taken and used by those who are raising capital, closing deals with investors, or be used if you're a small private investor and not a family office. One is to not get hung up on whether you need a single family office versus a multifamily office versus a virtual family office. Even $3 billion net worth families have internal operations like single family office components, but also use private banks for cash management, for foreign transactions, for debt, uh, for you know, different types of trading leverage, for custody of assets, et cetera. So it's just a matter based on how wealthy you are, whether you just use a traditional wealth advisor. And you're doing some virtual family office components yourself or whether it's mostly a single family office and you're leveraging a multi-family office for public market access and due diligence on 30 different investment funds you want access to uh etc it's going to it's going to be a combination of both so don't get com- hung up on just one or the other being the right solution for you or a client of yours uh second insight here is to make sure you have really high quality family office service providers and that you're in two to four different communities at all times to help you grow your network consistently over time. It is, it's really key to our ability to grow over time to have you guys here in the community and for us to host 10 investor summits every year and hear from 200 and some investors on stage every year at our events, I think it's 314 every year is what we typically have on stage. We get new ideas and structures all the time. And there's always this cross-pollination between peers in the family office club and then within the investor base as well. And one point on service providers, whether you're an investment firm, company, or investor, is that every service provider should not just be doing your accounting, but also helping you plan for the future. Or not just doing your legal docs, but helping you come up with an innovative structure. Or not just doing your banking, but also helping connect you to other clients of the bank. Like in other words, every service provider you use should be doing something extra strategic for you, or you can find someone else who will uh, so that they're not just doing the very basics. And on this slide, you'll see uh, three portfolio components. These are the, this is the way that the smartest family offices I know manage their portfolio. And it's broken up into three major sections. There's your diversified market exposure, which might be your stocks and bonds and ETFs and indexes. This could be managed by a wealth advisor, maybe you'd like to do this yourself. The second box here or the circle here is conservative cash flowing real estate. Maybe 10 or 20% of this is real estate development, but for most families, it's cash flowing already. And this would be self storage, apartment buildings, uh, Airbnb properties, et cetera. The third circle here are niche industry focus areas would be more of you playing offense. So typically, unless you made your money in the public markets, unless you made your money in real estate, then where you play offense will be in the industry niches, the one or two areas where you either created your wealth, or when you look at your hedgehog strategy, plus where there's low competition and big future demand, you know that by investing your time there, you're going to get an outsized return on your offense on growing your wealth. Um, Again, if you diversify into 400 investments, you're very unlikely to lose more than even 40% of your money in the worst, worst drawdown. Um, and But you're also very unlikely to grow your wealth five times uh, over the next you know, five years, for example. Um, so it's harder to grow your wealth if all you do is diversify. So you do need to focus typically and the percentages for you are gonna change based on who you are. But a lot of my clients have anywhere between 20 and 40% in market exposure in the top category. In real estate, it could be as small as 10 or 20%, but it typically is right around 25 to 30%, but um, some would some like to have more like 60% real estate. And then this last one, the intent might be to invest 10 or 20 or 30% of your wealth into the industry where you're going to be playing offense, but as your net worth grows, a very large percentage of your net worth might be captured in that business and you just haven't sold it yet. So it might equal at some point 50, 70, 80, 90% of your net worth. But if you look at your investable cash and where you're going to allocate new cash dollars, it might only represent 10 or 20% of where you allocate that cash. But because it grows the fastest, it turns into a bigger piece of the pie. So this is important for understanding how family offices think they want return of capital more than return on capital, but they do want both. Most of them in every Financial Times, Bloomberg, in other surveys, you'll see that most family offices want 6 to 12% return overall in their entire portfolio. That includes the super boring stuff and the municipal bonds and the S&P you know, indexes and the ETFs that represent whole industries. Um, so from direct investments, they typically want a little bit higher return. My experience is that some are okay if it's an income investment and super secure with a 9% return, but really most investors uh, are aiming for that 10 to 15% IRR um, as a very base return spectrum, and 12 to 15% is even more interesting, but it's always a trade-off of how secure is the investment, Um, does it provide income or not, how de-risked is it from my understanding of it and ability to add value to it and to be high conviction on that investment, um, and then that will change what return expectations they have, obviously for real estate development and venture capital or angel investing, they might expect for the risk, a higher IRR potential um, that goes, you know, without saying, of course, but hopefully that helps. with just kind of seeing how a lot of these families plan out their investments. Okay. Okay. Um, this is the next exercise worksheet that we're going to fill out together. We see this as material exercise number two. Um, can't really hold up in the video because my video is off for some reason. I'll get that fixed by the time we come back. But we'll share it here in the chat, so you have easy access to it. It was also in your welcome email and shared at the beginning of the workshop. But it's called Materials Exercise Number Two: Six Layers of Control Worksheet. So this can help you. This worksheet will help you explain if you're if you're raising capital. This will help you explain your offering to investors. It will also help you when somebody says, oh, well, we don't need your help investing in private equity, we know private equity. Or they say, well, we don't need help with real estate because we're experts in real estate. We've created a hundred million dollars in net worth in real estate. You might say, okay, well, I heard you say that you're focused on self-storage. And when we look at this chart here and explain how it works in a second, you can see that while you might be excellent at adding value to self-storage, we are world-class at sourcing self-storage. We can source better deal flow than you can, I believe. And I could be wrong, but I believe we can because of these five things. Are you doing these five things internally? Then they say no, and they realize, okay, maybe there's a way to work together here because you guys are good at sourcing self-storage. We're good at having the balance sheet to get the debt and do the renovation work. So we can work together. So it's a way to get something done with a family that thinks they are the titans of their space and they don't need you, but you know you have something great to add to them. For an investor, this helps simplify your life and focus your energy on where you add the most value and not have you be stretched too thin. So this is how it works with every section of your portfolio, which you can see here, the yellow, blue and red, these three areas, the diversified bucket, conservative real estate, and then the one or two niche industry focus. In each of those three areas, there are six layers of potential control of the investment for different responsibilities, essentially. So within the diversified bucket of your investments, stocks and bonds, um, the responsibility for coming up overall with running it, uh, with running that whole bucket might be with you or it might be your wealth manager. The strategy might be mostly your wealth advisor. Maybe under sourcing, you tell your wealth advisor, I love Amazon and Costco, and I think Container Store might do well because it's featured on this Netflix show or something like that. Like you might give them three ideas, but it's mostly them sourcing the stocks. You might not want to screen the stocks. You're not going to be on the earnings calls or doing your own due diligence, maybe. And they're going to be maintaining their portfolio. So for that diversified bucket, for most people, unless you made your money on the trading floor or running a hedge fund or something in the equity markets your responsibility is going to be highly outsourced and you're going to have little control, uh, little ability to add great extra value to the portfolio. And it's going to be outsourced to a different brain that's that's outside your team or outside yourself. In the real estate side here, a lot of families want to help on strategy. They say, well, I agree that Roundup Multifamily and self-storage are the two strategies we like. So you contribute on the strategy but are you really out there knocking on doors and cold calling and sourcing the properties? Maybe or maybe not, most, most families not. So for real estate, it's typically um, a matter of you helping with the screening and the strategy uh, as an investor and you're outsourcing more of the other components. Most of you are not walking roofs of real estate, checking the quality of the foundation or managing a general cro- contractor in the renovation of real estate assets. But within your operating business area, unless your operating business is real estate or running a equity hedge fund, that is where you might have the most control. You might do all six of these layers of control. Or again, you may not source new investments. You might be really good at screening manufacturing companies and quickly telling people, no, there's no way I'd buy that company, but maybe somebody else could help you source investments as an investment banker or a business broker. So then you'd write their name in that sourcing box. And the point of this here is to look at your full investment portfolio. And some families love to say, oh, well, we have our own family office, so we want control over everything. It's like, okay, well, technically you have ultimate say of what you know gets done and what's approved, but no one principal of a family, even if they're a billionaire, uh, you know, like Mark Cuban is not screening and conducting due diligence on his stocks and coming up with his stock public market exposure and also walking the roofs of pieces of real estate and managing the due diligence and managing the, the property managers, hiring firing them. He's got a team that does a lot of that and what they do internally is specific to who they are as it should be. And so when you, if you're raising capital and you go and meet with an investor, you need to figure out where they are in these boxes and how you can add value because maybe your value is on strategy. And if they have the money to do diligence and manage, but you can help them on the strategy. Maybe you can do a co-GP deal with them or a joint venture. Maybe you can contribute and be under retainer and get a little bit of upside on deals that you bring them, some carry on on the deals that they do. Um, or maybe, maybe it's just not a fit to work with them if they do too much themselves. But understanding this and all these different layers will help you have a more nuanced conversation with large, sophisticated investors who tell you, no, we don't need to work with you. or We don't invest in funds because we like to have full control. Uh, then you can dig into what what they mean by full control and help them with the part that they may be weak at. Um, As an investor, um, it's probably obvious that by filling this out, you will be able to focus your energy on where you're best. And if you write in the names of people you're relying upon, like the name of your wealth advisor, the name of your investment banker, the name of your attorney that helps you with due diligence or whoever's on your team that helps you with that, then this will be a mapping of who on your team and what service providers you use to manage your portfolio. In a really nuanced way, that would help your whole team understand the process or your spouse or partners, etc. So let's take, um, let's just take seven minutes to complete uh, this worksheet and write in some notes. Um, If you are an investor, write in notes of how you're managing this currently, and then circle a couple of the boxes where there's an obvious problem, like maybe you're managing something that you for sure should not be managing, or maybe you need to be supplemented by a consultant or a compliance expert or due diligence expert, or be keeping an eye out for someone you could outsource that box to. If you're raising capital, then look through here. What do you provide to your clients? Are you providing them the full stack of all six layers? Um, And if you went to a $200 million net worth family and you could get a $30 million check from them for a deal what are you willing to narrow down your scope to that would help you get that deal done by being creative on what you're adding to the picture versus trying to do the full boat? And then you lose the $30 million investor because you said, oh, it's all or nothing with us. We have no flexibility. And then you close off the doors to doing business with them. So let's take, um, let me make sure there's no questions here. Um, good example of filling is this out. Um, for whatever reason, I don't have an example filling this one out, but just so it's super clear, Bert, like in the top left box, um, under responsibility for that, you could put XYZ wealth advisors, whoever the name of your wealth advisor is. Under strategy, you might put um, someone that you rely upon for major strategy as well as that wealth advisor. And then again, put, put wealth manager uh, underneath those next two, the name of your wealth advisor. For most people, that's a pretty simple column. The other two columns is typically where it's much more dynamic. So um, under real estate, if you're a really wealthy family that does a lot of the real estate stuff yourself, you still might source deals from someone else and somebody else might help you with the due diligence and um, inspections on your property. So you put those two boxes who you rely upon for those two. So I hope that, hope that helps. But yeah, we should have an example that's filled out because we do usually do that how would this apply for a startup raising capital more like steve blank's business model canvas yeah if you are a startup um, you know raising capital then it depends who you're raising capital from typically if you're going to investors who've made money in your industry which would be ideal then the ability for you to provide a allocation of their capital into an industry that's strategic but you're driving the strategy of the deal and you've brought the deal to them, um, then it would be using this just to understand how you fit into their world. But it would change based on who they are as an investor. So if you go to a private equity fund, they might say, oh, here are our requirements. This is our strategy. This is our screening and due diligence process. So as a startup, how do you fit into that ecosystem if they tell you, that you're not a fit because of X, Y, or Z. And you can use kind of this nuanced understanding maybe to navigate that.